in line <clears throat> in line with a lot of the things that in the last few recordings we've been talking about, the great things that we should look forward and cultivate in order to address matters to 2030 with a positive and dynamic mindset. Here is one article I found about another uh, biologist and who was extremely interesting and we probably we haven't heard much about. We always talk about the Great Barrier Reef and here is something which we forget. It's just, it has not just been talked about in the last five years. And here is an article that I found in Brain Pickings, and it's about William Savile Kent, which has been the author of Great Barrier Reef Prints. And um, as much as I cannot show them here through this recording, I'm just happy to share with you that I'm watching them. And you will be able to find them now that I've mentioned the name. And they come from, they were done in 1893. And uh, you've got anemones, uh, you've got all kinds of other living and species, and um, corals, and it goes on, and absolutely fabulous. And you can see the dedication of, when you're making an illustration, you and you're making a drawing or a sketch, you try to convey information. So a lot of the information tends to be based on trying to meet a definition of it that will meet then a scientific definition. Um, but here it's also about capturing its beauty and he does manage to do it. So right from the get-go, there was an angle on beauty. So here's the article, which was put together by a woman called Maria Popova. And it's called The Great Barrier Reef, Stunning 19th Century Illustrations from the World's First Encyclopedia of One of Earth's Most Vibrant and Delicate Ecosystems, a symphonic hymn for our planet's lushest underwater wonderland. While the German marine biologist Ernest Haeckel was salving, salving his fathomless personal tragedy with the transcend, transcendent beauty of jellyfish, Having enraptured Darwin with his drawings, his English colleague, William Savile Kent, which was a, who lived from 1845 to 1908, was transcending his own darkness on the other side of the globe with the vibrant, irrepressible aliveness of the Great Barrier Reef and its astonishing creatures. By the end of his adolescence, adolescence sorry, William had survived the unsurvivable, the youngest of ten children, he lost his mother when he was seven. While she was dying, his unscrupulous father was having an open affair with the children's nanny, whom he went on to marry. Three more children came. Then, just before William's twentieth birthday, his toddler half-brother disappeared from his bed in the middle of the night. His body was found in the vault of the outhouse, savaged by multiple stab wounds, his nursemaid with whom William's father was already having an affair, was at first arrest, then released. Suspicion was diverted toward William's 16-year-old sister Constance. She was detained, but released on account of favourable public opinion. A Scotland Yard detective became obsessed with the case and prosecuted her for murder five years later, eventually extracting a confession and making national headlines with true crime sensationalism. Carolyn was sentenced to 20 years in prison, but many, including Charles Dickens, mistrusted the confession, having suspected the volatile, perfidious father all along. He was never brought under investigation. 
William was shaken by the inordinate share of loss, violence, and public shame he had accrued in so young a life. Taking refuge in the impartial world of science, he came to study under the great biologist and comparative anatomist T.H. Huxley, who had coined the term agnosticism and who had so boldly defended Darwin's evolutionary ideas against the reactionary tide of opposition a decade earlier. Upon completing his studies, Savile Kent received an appointment in the Natural History Department of the British Museum as curator of coral. He grew enchanted with these beguiling, poorly understood creatures. He also grew bored with the museum position. He longed to do research, to contribute to the evolving understanding of these living marvels. At 25, he won a grant from the Royal Society to lead a dredging survey off the coast of Portugal, trading in the lifeless stillness of museum specimens for the coruscating aliveness of the marine world. Upon his return, he could only continue working with living species. Over the next decade, he took a serious uh, series of jobs as various aquariums, but his imagination continued reaching for the unglassed sea. As Savile Kent approached 40, his old mentor, T.H. Huxley, by then the most prominent British life scientist after Darwin's death a year earlier, recommended him as inspector of fisheries in Tasmania. Savile Kent left England and the dark spectre of his youth for the bright open seas of the South Pacific, where he grew newly enchanted with the lush underwater wonderland of strange-shaped corals and echinoderms, frilly anemones and tentacled mollusks, fishes in colours, that belongs in a Kandinsky painting, creatures he had marvelled at only as dead and disjointed museum specimens or segregated aquarium captives, creatures he had never imagined. Determined to bring public awareness and awe to this otherworldly ecosystem, an ecosystem that in the centuries since his time has grown so gravely endangered by human activity that it might not survive another century, he authored the first popular science book on that irreplaceable underwater world. In 1893, several years before the German oceanographer published the gorgeously illustrated first encyclopedia of deep-sea cephalodes, cephalopods, sorry, Savile Kent published The Great Barrier Reef of Australia, Its Products and Potentialities, a pioneering encyclopedia of one of Earth's most luscious and delicate ecosystems, illustrated with a number of Savile Kent's black-and-white photographs and several stunning colour lithographs by two artists, a Mr. Couchman and Mr. Riddle, based on Savile Kent's original watercolours. This, after all, was the gloaming hour of that golden age when scientists were also trained as artists, which enabled them to advance their own discoveries in sometimes epoch-making ways. I hope you've enjoyed it. I invite you to Google him and watch his illustrations, as they are absolutely magnificent and um, very evocative of how much we are losing so fast when they talk about the uh, coral and barrier reef. Last bit of the article. Compliment with the self-taught artist and botanist, botanist Elizabeth Blackwell's stunning illustrations for the world's first encyclopedia of medicinal plants, 
published a century and a half earlier, and the inspiring illustrated story of the man who set out to save the world's coral reefs with hammer and glue a century and a half later. Then revisit the 19th century tentacle wonders from the ocean depths and Hickel's otherworldly jellyfish. I think um, this is probably the first thing you should do as a, if you are into, interested in barrier reef and so forth. And the life of this person is clearly, I mean, hopefully he found a lot of peace in doing this work. I think he's a passionate, driven person. How he survived the first part of his life, I guess, was uh, that or nothing by the sound of it. But since I'm on it, I'm just going to look up William Savile Kent and share that with you, which we will just go to Wikipedia and um, read it again. So he was born in Devon in 1845 and passed away in 1908 in Bournemouth, Dorset, and referred to as an English marine biologist and author. Important the fact that he's an author because his writings become the first source of information. His early life, born in the Tauth of Sidmouth in Devon, southwest England, on July the 10th, 1845, William Savile Kent was the son of Samuel Savile Kent, of which we don't hear too many good things, and who was Samuel's first wife. William was the youngest of ten children from his father's first marriage. Samuel was employed as a factory commissioner for the Home Office and inspected factories to ensure that they were properly, properly implementing the worker safety measures regulated in the Factory Acts of 1833, as the Acts sought to alleviate the harm done to children that were caused by unregulated working conditions in the factories. Samuel's duties required him to inspect factories that employed women and children. Despite having ambitions for promotion, Samuel suffered from the effects of local gossip and disapproval. As a consequence of him being a known adulterer, Samuel's salacious reputation cost him family to move often caused the family to move fairly often. Savile Kent's childhood was marred by several unfortunate events. First was the death of his mother, Marianne Windus, who died suddenly in May 1852. This was followed a few years later by the murder of his half-brother Francis Savile Kent, which led to national media coverage and great family upheaval. Then came the subsequent conviction of his elder sister Constance as a result of her confessing to the murder five years later. The Scotland Yard detective Detective Inspector Jack Witcher, who was responsible for the murder investigation of Savile Kent's half-brother, had also suspected that William was an accomplice, as Constance and William shared a close sibling relationship. Constance had initially been detained and questioned, but was, result, was released, released as a result of a high social status. However, no changes were ever made against William. Constance was sentenced to life in prison, which at the time was 20 years. Education. Well, Savile Kent was educated at King's College London and then at the Royal School of Mines under T.H. Huxley. He held various jobs in Britain, including at the British Museum from 1866 to 72. In 1869, he became a member of the Zoological, Zoological Society of London. In 73, in the Linnean Society. In 1870, Savile Kent received a grant from the Royal Society to conduct a dredging survey of Portugal. He worked at the Brighton Aquarium, then at the Manchester Aquarium. He went on to work for various other aquariums before returning to Brighton in 1879. Savile Kent married in 1872 
but his wife died three years later. He remarried, remarried in 1876. On the recommendation of Huxley, in 1884, Savile Kent became Inspector of Fisheries in Tasmania. In 1889, he became Commissioner of Fisheries for Queensland, and in 1892, sorry, Commissioner of Fisheries for Western Australia, a position held until 95. He experimented during this time with culturing pearls on Thursday Island, successful experiments in modern-day spherical cultural pearls, and primarily the result of discoveries he made. He later presented these discoveries to by Dr. Tokichi Nishiwaka in Japan, who'd heard of Savile Kent's techniques, techniques. He then went on to chair the Royal Society of Queensland from 1889 to 1890. His book, Documentation of the Great Barrier Reef, was the pioneering publication. Pioneering publication. It attracted worldwide attention and was for decades the definitive work on this landform. His sister Constance had joined him in Australia in 1886, changing her name to Ruth Emily Kay and training as a nurse. Fisheries. Savile Kent was a pioneer of the concept of sustainable fisheries. While at the Brighton Aquarium, he webbed, witnessed a lobster lay eggs and charted the growth and development of the offspring. His goal was to see lobster and other commercial species of fish farmed as a sustainable resource. Savile Kent died in 1908 in Bournemouth. He is buried at All Saints Churchyard, Milford-on-Sea. Well, um... He published three works, A Manual of the Infusoria, The Great Barrier Reef, and The Naturalist in Australia. Um, I must say that um, his life does uh, include quite a bit of tragedy, but the ability to keep going and, and pursue and carry on a life's work is uh, second to none, and uh, a lot of it is most likely still used as original reference, even if it's to be updated, contradicted in some parts and others. Uh, which yet to be confirmed because I do not know. But I'm really happy I stumbled on this name and I will suggest you do the same as we've got somebody who, through passion, basically remade his life. And that's an inspiring point. For those of you who think that we're still discovering, well, we are. And it's wonderful to see that we can drive passion and find inspiration throughout the centuries. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope that these few words on William Savile Kent will instigate curiosity enough to go out and do some own research of your own and maybe discover other scientists and other topics. Thank you for listening.